Removed, everyone. Welcome to Once Removed. That's how we're starting this episode. How are you we're doing? Off great. How are you doing today, Connor? I'm good. I just woke up. I've been, I've been in this crazy tech rehearsal process. So uh, late nights. Yesterday was a um, ten out of twelve. Which, if you don't know what that means, it means I got there at ten a.m. and I left at ten p.m. And of those 12 hours, uh, I worked 10. So we got two one-hour breaks. Sounds like a full day. All day thing. It was a full day. When you say that, that, it's funny because I'm I'm comparing it to just like office jobs or other jobs where you're not moving Mm -hmm. a ton usually. And thinking about a 10-hour, 12-hour day where you're like dancing and jumping around, that's pretty intense. Yeah, it was intense, but but you know, now we're at this we were at this point, especially yesterday, where we were just kind of staging, blocking everything and figuring out lighting and stuff, and they were they were pretty chill about like, okay, you don't have to go full out every time. And a lot of it's like, okay, you're in the spot, you start dancing, hold, that looks terrible. Like, let's reblock this. It Mm -hmm. looks terrible, meaning the spacing looks terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we haven't been on stage, and now we need to start doing that. Wow, I'm talking a lot about this process. Why don't I just start from the beginning? Maybe we should do an episode on it. What do you Maybe think, Maybe we Connor? should do an episode on the entire process of putting on a musical. It's Warning. Wow. <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> Amazing. We're actually singing this episode. Um, did you warm up? No, Vince is singing this episode. I'm not. Um. Well, if you play it at double speed, it sounds like I'm, I'll be singing. So, in a way, maybe. True. Everyone put this that. in times two speed. Most people probably do to get this podcast over with, but, they're you just, know. They're just like, you feel obligated to watch this podcast. Who, who on earth is just like wakes up one morning and is like, oh, God, another once removed God. episode. I might, I might <laughs> as well listen to this like a Zoom lecture and double speed. Grandma. It. Grandma, no, grandma's about. Grandma feels obligated. Everybody else, grandma, hopefully, you're thank you, listening to this for fun. Yes, mark. hopefully. Why else would you love be, you, grandma? grandma? Thank you. We love you, grandma. Thanks. Love you, Graham. Okay, so I'm a. I'll, I'm a, I'll start with this process. <laughs> so there, there's a lot more than a lot of people think goes into putting on a show, and obviously, it's going to be a technical thing. It's like once you get into the details and into the nitty gritty, of course, it's going to take a long time and there's going to be a lot to do. Uh, It's the same with a movie. It's like, and the big thing about a movie and a a musical is you can't do it until you have a script, until you have something. And that's a big problem with a lot of like young people that I see trying to write their own plays is they get halfway done with something and then start like wanting to put it on stage. Mm. And it's like, no, 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 no. You have to... And this is something I've learned by the trying to write my own plays and like sending them to people and whatever, where you write one draft and you're like, I like this. And then you send it to someone and they give you notes and you do another draft of that. Then you do another draft and you do another draft. You could do this for 10 drafts and then you go, this is bad time to start something new or you could do three and be like oh that was good now it's time to put it on its feet and so obviously and especially with music there's another layer on top of that because not only is the script and story going to take a long time to finish and perfect now you have music 
and people change lyrics and melodies and like arrangements days before they open. They yeah. will just change them and during previews. And we'll get into that, like what previews Question are. Question for you, Con. Question yes. for you about this. So I'm, I'm hearing you talk about the writing process and do for musicals, something I'm very unfamiliar with in terms of its writing. Um, do a lot of people you know who write musicals start with the songs in mind, even if they do change a lot by the end? Or is it just, let me just bang out this story and then I'll worry about the songs after I've got the whole husk? That's actually a great question. It's like a large debate in quotes in the musical theater world because a lot of musicals uh, can be song-driven or story-driven. And when I say that, you're like, what does Aren't that mean? Aren't they both both? Yeah, no. Aren't I they both you. both? No, not always. You look at some shows that like, okay, I'm about to call out a show that a lot of people oh, agree no. is not that good. Oh, no. And it's Mamma Mia. The oh, mo- not the movie. No. Not the movie. We can, we can, t- the movie's great. I will admit the movie's great. But the musical is, it feels like a first draft of oh, a script. Oh, brother, I was here we go it. again. I know we're so- <laughs> That's good. Thank you. So the, the musical itself, the script and the story feels very fast. It feels very it's not good. It's not great. It's not a well-written story. The characters aren't very well-developed. A couple are. The mom is. Love love Donna. Um, but you're not going to Mamma Mia to care about the characters. You're going to Mamma Mia to hear ABBA, have a good time, Heck and see yeah. some shirtless hot boys. That's what you're there for. I'm there for Pierce. Yeah, you're, I'm there for... Dude, he's, there for he's, he's a hottie. GoldenEye007. The man. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> So, yeah, you look at a show like Mamma Mia, and it's like clearly that show. A lot of jukebox musicals are like this. I'm just picking on Mamma Mia. Yeah. But they, you go for the songs. You go because you know the song. You go because that's familiar. And then the story's just a story. It's just moving from song to song. And uh, shows that start with a story and write that out and then go, okay, where does the song fit? They could be... Really, it's like you have to do something very original, and that has the chance of being very bad or very good. It's like that's where I don't know if you're if you're not relying on songs, then there's a lot more risk hmm. because what if the song is bad or whatever? And a lot of people, I guess, I don't know. I don't normally write musicals, but if I were to do it, I would. I you. I would start with music. You'd have a script. You'd have to have the story first, know what you're trying to do, then write the songs for it, then fill in the script. Definitely. Okay. I feel like that's probably the most common. And a lot of times it's multiple people working on one musical, like the, um, the Kirkpatrick's. I don't know their exact story. They wrote something rotten, which is an amazing show. And then they recently just did missed out fire on Broadway and um, I don't know their specific process, but if I had two people, they're brothers. Like one person can be doing music while the yeah. other one's working on this scene, while the other one's doing this. They can, he'll do a new melody and this one will do a new lyric. It's like you can work on a bunch of things at the same time. Yeah. So I don't, that's, I feel like the question totally of that depends. is totally depends. And uh, so, 
the way you broke it down though for for just a generic possible route that somebody could take is like outline the story then rough mm-hmm. drafting some of the songs and then filling in with a script because you have the basic ideas of the songs now and yes. then you refine the songs and you refine the script as you keep going along which yeah. to me in my head that's what makes sense and then yes. you're talking about like jukebox jukebox wow I really can't get this you word out. You got jukebox, it. You'll get there. jukebox. There we go. Yes. Jukebox musicals, and we've talked about this before. How there's a trend, and I don't know how long this has been going on, but you know, with with jukebox musical, gosh, I'm just gonna stop saying the word because it's never gonna come out right. <laughs> they, they, you know, they take a famous artist, they take a famous album or or series of songs, and they build a musical around that. So of course, the songs are already decided, and all the ideas and the story springs off of that. That's an entirely mm-hmm. different creative process. And that's, I imagine it can be really, really, really good. But, you know, historically, it's very much so like Poppy. Oh, I love, I love ABBA. So I'm going to go watch Mamma Mia. You yeah. Know? But um, not to derail you. No, 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 not at all. I, that's a, that's its own thing. And that's its own completely different writing process. Like, and some shows, some jukebox musicals can be really, really good. Like, you just have to, f- know what you're trying to do and care about it's normal it's like okay of course the music is going to be good now you have to focus on the story you know what i'm saying yeah so you look at something like and the difference between like mamma mia and a show like tina that was just on broadway about tina turner they're both jukebox musicals one of them tells an original story and one of them tells the story of the artist yeah so Tina is about Tina Turner. Mamma Mia is about these fictional characters using ABBA's songs. And which show is better? Debatable. It's Tina, but debatable, you know? <laughs> uh, no. Um, so, you know, that's its own process. Now, yeah. after, let's say you write a show. Vince, what's your show? What's Think of a show. I did Toes of Grace. What's your show? Oh, gosh. Well, I know Toes the Who Grace, did Tommy. Tommy the musical, but I'll change it, um, and I'll go with uh, Scatman John the musical, Scatman's Scat World. Man. Scat Scatman's Man's World the musical, great. Yep. So now you have the music of Scatman. One, you have to get the rights to use all of his music and whatever. A lot of times. Oh, that'll be own. easy. That'll be easy. Okay, so Vince, you have this musical now, and you're ready. You've gotten a couple drafts in. You've heard a couple people sing the songs, whatever. Now. Now what's next? Workshops, readings. You're just trying to somehow get it on its feet, get it started. It's going to be, it's not going to be expensive. You're just trying to see what it's like on its feet. And that is another place you make changes because you could hear someone say something or sing something and go, that's awful. Like, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm going to change that. Because in your head, it might sound good. And on paper, it might look good. As soon as you hear that, you you know, you will know. And that's another thing that a lot of people don't know, like young writers. They don't know you have to workshop things. Just literally get on a Zoom call, get your group of friends and read it. And have an open mind when you're writing it. You're not a perfect writer. No one is. Something's going to be bad. Take notes and go, that sucked, that sucked, that sucked. And a lot of times workshops, like whenever I've done workshops, we'll read it. And then at the end of the first reading, you'll give the writer notes as an actor. 
and say, mm. I that line made no sense to me. Why am I saying this? What's the reason? And a lot of times they don't answer back. They can't say anything. Yeah. Unless you ask them a specific question like, why did you do this? If I said, I hate that line, it made no sense. No one would ever say that. That writer, you go, okay, yeah, that made no sense. New note. Well, and that's... maybe that's what you're going for. Maybe you have to learn to take notes. You have to blah, blah, blah. Vince, you know this as a writer. But yeah, like, but that's really it's a whole fascinating. Process. That is so valuable, and it's something that's mm-hmm. missing from the book writing process in a, yeah. in, in a natural way. Like You have to very much so go out of your way to get what are called beta readers to do that for you. And even then, since reading a book is such a personal experience for each reader independently, and it doesn't involve anybody except like, you know, on paper, the author to the reader, uh, there's not the built in like actors workshopping it and speaking those lines. And that's such a collaborative part of the process that I have to imagine that's super valuable. And you're forced to be confronted with why you made the decisions you did. And like you're saying, Sometimes it'll be, oh, wow, they're right. This line does suck. And other times it'll be like reinforcing why you made those decisions in the first place. And you learn how to defend those decisions and say, no, you know what? Actually, this works for the show. Here's why. And yes. you actually get to think it out more. So I have to imagine that's mm-hmm. that's so helpful in terms of later drafts and making the show the best it can be. Yeah. And at a certain point, there is artistic vision. Like, of course there is. But there's there's... I mean, you could say, like, um, an actor could give a note that's like, that made no sense. I hate that I said that. And then the artist or the writer goes, I don't care. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I want. Mm-hmm. And a lot sometimes that works. Sometimes it could be a stubborn writer. But most of the time, it's like, I know what I'm doing. And an yeah. experienced writer, it's, it is. It's like writing a book. You then will learn how people react to things. It's like a yeah. stand-up comic doing jokes. You know when a joke is going to land. You know when a line is going to work, and you know when a line is not going to work. It, as an actor, too, it's like you can read a script and go, okay, I, know, I can know how to play that. I can know how to do that. Mm, that's a weird one. Okay, whatever. You just, there's a lot to it. After the workshop, you're, na- okay, workshop's done. Now you're going to try to put it on its feet. There's so much stuff that I have absolutely (laughs) no idea about, like in production, that I cannot speak on. I don't know how to get a venue. I don't know how to hire the cast and creative. But that is a lot of things that you have to do. You you can't just start auditioning a show without everything planned to a T. When it's opening, blah, 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 everything. I've never worked on a musical, but I do know how to do all that stuff. So I will speak on that. Please, Vince. Oh, I, I just did. That's it. <laughs> I feel enlightened. Thank you. Jeez, uh, you're funny. Okay. No, no, I'm not. I, it's too early. It's too early for me to be funny. Oh, man. Okay, so, yeah, so there's a lot behind the scenes, and it, to the very end, there's so much behind the scenes that I don't know, and they are the true, like, hidden heroes of theater that's always how it is the people in the in the wings the people in the back making sure that i can go on stage it's i can't have enough thanks thank i can't have enough thanks for them (laughs) i don't uh, have enough but i cannot speak on their process maybe we could get a producer in here to talk about it oh that'd be really cool yeah or a film producer i mean (laughs) 
I know a guy named Tim that was a producer for a minute. Who's that? Um, Don't know. He's yeah. some weird some old Tim. bald guy. Some some guy. <laughs> I hope he listens to this episode. I'm gonna I heard he's to. a pretty rad uncle. I he I've heard he is a cool dad too. Wow. Just through the grapevine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on. So, okay, once you have everything set, you have the date, you have the venue, you have everything, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to use, now I'm going to switch over to Bat Out of Hell, the show I'm in right now. This is a plug for Bat Out of Hell. Go see it. Um, yeah, go see it. For it's, us, it's opening mm-hmm. as the time I, of release. It will, it will be Vegas, open by the baby, time this Vegas. is out. So. Let's go. Yeah, if you're in Las Vegas or nearby, come check it out. It's at the Paris Hotel. But that's the thing. When I auditioned for this months ago, I knew where it was, when it was, for how long, for how much. They figure out everything way in advance before they even like think about auditioning people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this audition thing. I get an email. Now we're on to the auditions. We're moving on from workshops and the production stuff to auditions. This is the first step. And sometimes when you do a workshop, you can hear someone do it and go, that was it. I don't, like, you're it. Done. Sometimes that's not how it works. You know, that's another thing about workshops is um, they could go on for a really long time and replace actors because like they weren't it, they weren't it, they weren't it, they weren't it. They got them, got and you. it's like it's less auditions and more just, just people workshops. Workshopping. And some people, some people do workshops and don't intend on taking yeah. the show yeah. any further. Do they They're get doing paid for the paycheck? Yep. Oh, they do. Okay, cool. There that, was that there was a big problem where you weren't getting paid, mm. and a lot of people like that I know have done big workshops of very big shows. Um, they'll look at, they'll watch it and go, I did that. That was my idea and I'm not paying for it. So for a long time, there was a big union thing. Huge story. This is completely, this will be another episode entirely. I'm interested. Where the the workshop people were basically just getting shafted and everyone said, okay, actors went, we're stopping doing workshops until you pay us well. So now... The union, if you do a workshop, you... I, I don't know exactly what it is. I haven't done enough workshops, like big workshops, and um, but you get paid after now. They, they treat their actors a lot better. That's really cool. So, yes, after workshops, maybe you know what parts need to be cast. Maybe all of them do. Maybe all of them don't. Whatever. You're in the auditions. For Bad Out of Hell, I received an email from my agent that was like, Submit. And nowadays, it's so much different than it was back in the, literally back five years ago. Because of COVID, um, the audition process has turned less from wake up at six in the morning, go stand in line to maybe be seen. It's a video. You take a video, send it, and then maybe they watch it, maybe they don't. And then maybe you get a call back. And don't you and typically like, pay to send it too? Isn't there no. usually like an, oh, no. whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe no. I'm thinking of those like mass, uh, like actors access or uh, different casting <laughs> websites where you have to pay every time you, you submit an audition. You have to pay to do those, to get on those websites at all. You have to pay. Mm. You have to pay to have an account on those. But a lot of times like I started 
my accounts on Actors Access and like casting networks because my agent said, that's how we submit you. You have to make oh. this account. And then you pay tw- oh, what, 25 Oh, you, you pay a monthly? N- I literally can't remember. I don't oh. go. I, n- I never go on you these know, websites. My agent does it for me. Next thing you know, in like two months, the pricing structure is going to change anyway. So Exactly. It literally yeah, is. Whatever. So, yeah, so the audition process now is much less like a traditional audition. It's still happening. Like there was one show I was in for that it was. It was like calling all boys who play instruments, 8 a.m., like be here in New York City. and Calling yeah. all boys who play instruments. You think I'm joking. That was the <laughs> casting call. It was like they were looking oh for... Gosh. Young boys who could play instruments. That sounds and I was so creepy and so. I don't looking know why. for young boys who play instruments. <laughs> no, young boys as in like nineteen. Yeah, yeah, I guess you. Um, <laughs> sure. Or whatever. So now that is what the audition process is, and it's so much different than what it used to be. Where, like, I remember. E- even in school, like they prepped me for these crazy, scary auditions. Like you go in and you have to, you have to know the the ins and outs and obviously you still do and you're going to go in the room and but it's so much different now it's so much different now where i submit a video and then i get an email that says they want to see you and for mm-hmm. bad out of hell it was i literally walked out of another callback the the boys who play instruments one <laughs> the boys who i walked play out of it checked my phone and it said can you be in las vegas in three weeks oh yeah and i, I was like talking about this i was like okay whatever Yes, so I went to Las Vegas, and that's where callbacks happen. So now, of I guess I'll flex on it a little bit, but I talked to the director. In the thousands of people submitted for this, just sent in a video, and that's the like danger. That's the negative side of sending in a video. There are so many. Yeah. There's so many people sending in videos. Not all of them are going to be seen, or like they're really just going to be cutting like you have to nail the video audition because if you mess up they're like okay bye done 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 it's much easier for them to look through so whatever so i get this call back and i go in and they say prepare these songs prepare this stuff and i go in you sing the callback you, the first initial callback so this was a pretty ruthless um cast like callback process because when they were done with you they said bye like you can go home and it does not mean you didn't get in the show Mm. sometimes it does sometimes you go in and you're just not right and they know it and they say okay bye sometimes they're like we've seen everything we need to see from you like we know we want you for that or you're on our mind like we don't really need to see you sing anything else that's what happened to my roommate and um so that's the callback process. And it's for this show, it was a lot of testing. They're testing you. Uh, Dear Van Hansen did that. So Dear Van Hansen is like notoriously high. It's a very difficult role. Oh, I thought and you meant notoriously like baked. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, Evan, Evan Hansen. Hansen is just whoa, he's a total stoner, dude. Jeez. Okay, no, so. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So Evan Hansen, he he rolls Dear his Evan cast. Evan Hansen and this <laughs> and Bad Out of Hell have similarities where what they did were they bring people in, have a song ready, and you sing it, and they go, Great, do it again right now. 
you do it again. Do it again. They just see how long you can go. And the thing about it is, like, you can... It's tough. I I remember listening in Dear Evan Hansen, hearing these kids... Kids. I mean kids. Like, they're 15. Yeah. Like They're literal boys with instruments. Yeah, I hear these kids sing, and they sing this song, and it's like, oh, my God, that was so good. And then I hear them do it again. It's like, okay... They're getting tired, and then on the third time, you're like, they can't do it. You have to have that stamina. The boy can't hang. The boy can't hang. And that was that was the thing for Bad Out of Hell. It's it's quite uh, quite difficult, quite a lot of stuff to learn, and it's very high, like very high. And I remember I went in, and they had me sing Bad Out of Hell, the like main song, Wait, question uh, for you. It's not a ju- in a row. it's not yeah. a jukebox musical, is it? it that it's out of hell is a jukebox it musical. It is a jukebox it is. musical. Okay. I just knew I knew Meatloaf was associated with it in some way. I didn't and know technically, whether he wrote it originally or technically it is not Meatloaf's show. It's Jim Steinman's show. And a lot of people don't know who Jim Steinman is. Jim Steinman I is don't. just a he's a songwriter. He wrote all of Bad Out of Hell, the album. And oh. Meatloaf sang it. Other songs that Jim Steinman has wrote are like um, Total Eclipse of the Heart. He wrote. Oh, no kidding. Uh, it's All Coming Back to Me Now, Celine Dion. And wow. So when you, this show is Jim Steinman's Bad Out of Hell, meaning it's a lot of Bad Out of Hell, like the Meatloaf album, and then throw in some other Jim Steinman hits that Meatloaf didn't sing. Oh. Like It's All Coming Back to Me Now is in the show. So this is Jim Steinman's battle. So it'd be like if Bernie Taupin did Madman, like across the water, the musical, Mm -hmm. or something like that. Where it's like if you did an Elton John, John, but no, those are all Bernie Taupin songs. It would be Bernie Taupin, exactly. So yeah, that's Jim Steinman. Jim Steinman was this brilliant songwriter. Obviously, he wrote all these amazing songs, and this is his show. So it's a Jim Steinman jukebox musical. And this one embraces how weird it is. It's not trying to be like good, in quotes. It's trying to be... You mean mainstream or like palatable? I I guess. It's, It's difficult to explain because obviously I do think the show is good. But it's just crazy. They know what they're, they're there for. You're there to see these crazy rock songs and these people flying around the stage. And, like, hmm. it's really fun. And um, it's wild. So, yeah, it's a jukebox musical. Now, after callbacks... Wait, did you have any other... Did you have another follow-up question? On oh, there? not a question. It's just funny that you're talking about callbacks and the difference between the videos where you can theoretically spend a very long time perfecting that mm-hmm. one take and you could nail it and they move forward with you and then yep. it shows once they start asking you, okay, do it again, do it again, do it again. Yeah. It's like, oh no, this this took me eight hours to make that video. Yep. Um, I can't repeat this a million times and get yep. it right every time. I That's definitely. Nice. And here's a big thing when they moved to uh, videos, like auditions, a lot of film actors started getting theater gigs because they know how to work the camera. So their initial audition looked amazing. Like, me on video, I look weird. I feel weird. I'm not used to, like, acting to a camera. Yeah, I can attest to that right now. You look look crazy. (laughs) I'm I'm looking at you right now. (laughs) All right. Okay. okay. No, you look comfy, Connor. You look like I love oh, that quite, flannel. You're wearing a PJ flannel top. I love it. It's amazing. This is just my jacket. 
<laughs> oh, and I'm oh, yeah. I'm wearing PJs though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, good, um, good. So yeah, yeah. So uh, you're totally right. Like you can nail that tape, sounds so good, and then not be able to do it in the room, and then go okay. So at a certain point, they just kind of forget what you sounded like in the video, and go, what do you sound like in the callbacks? We know your talent level based on this. We want to see more. Then they'll see more. So the casting process for Bad Out of Hell took five days. I was there for three of them. And um, eventually, I got cast. Yippee. I get, an, I get a phone call that says, hey, we want to cast you as this part. We want to cast you as denim and a cover of one of the main roles. And blah, blah, blah. Here's the contract. Here's the deal. We're sending you everything. We'll send it to your agent. Congratulations. And I'm like, cool. That's casting. Casting is quite easy. But there's a lot behind casting that people do not understand because casting is hands down the hardest part for the creative team. It's really? And, fast, and that's like you've you heard think, that time and again mm, from different people. Okay. It's really, really difficult because one, you are putting a lot of faith in people. You have to go. Let's say, and, and when you're working with professionals over five days, you're going to go, okay, these two, these three people could play this role. Who do we trust? Mm. Who do we trust? Who, who has that edge? And there's so much. And then even with this one, they had a bunch of people who I'm pretty sure they could do the main character. And they were like, it's just not right. It's not it. It's not what we're looking for. Yeah. So whatever. And then they went on this own thing and then they found... Travis and Travis is wonderful. Side tangent here that I yes. think is really cool. So we went and saw Space Dogs, which is your your roommates, your New York roommates musical, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't seen yeah. very many musicals. I absolutely love this mu musical, and it's a two man show, and they're yep. both the writers, and they put it on, and they acted. There was never any question about who was going to be cast. I, you know, I'm assuming a couple things here, but you know, in terms of Continue. yeah. You know, I'm just saying vaguely they had an awareness of the creative process from the beginning. And by the time they were both cast, whenever they decided they would be the two stars of this, they had seen it develop and gotten to be a part of it at least every step of the way. And by the time they're putting this on, it really shows the passion and the love for this. And I have to – I'm not saying there's any difference between a show like Space Dogs and a show where the cast is decided much sooner or much closer to the actual – putting on of the show but i just think it's cool that there are differences in sort of like a small scale like tighter team working on a show and actually getting to be a part of that process in a very intimate way throughout the entire thing versus a much larger production where you are doing casting calls and you are like you have these resources to to make those decisions and there are there's way more room for people to come on and off at different points in the project and need to be filled in a little bit and it's yeah. just really cool that those are those are both leading to similar results, you know, good musicals being put on that you can watch, but the process the process is really different and kind of takes on really different forms. Yeah, totally. The size of the show really really does matter because a lot of times when you write a small show, it, you kind of know who you want, especially if you're working with people or you workshop, you're just going to ask the people you want to do it and it's much easier like to replace that person because it's a two-man show, whatever. And if we're talking about Space Dogs, obviously I was very informed on the process. Um, 
they did do casting because they had to have an understudy. So they oh, hired great. one okay. understudy to replace both of them. So if one of them was out, he this one guy had to memorize the entire show. Wow. Yeah. And I remember it, my roommate was like, it's weird because a bunch of people are sending in videos and we're saying like, no, no, yes, no, yeah. yes, no. And then they went in person and saw these people like, and he was like, it was so weird hearing someone sing my songs to me. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, that's got to be a trip. That's <laughs> It's got to be a trip. But eventually, their process was a lot easier because that is so niche. It's such a niche show that you have to look for someone who can play all these instruments, looks the right age, can do the right part. <laughs> Not a boy. Enough. You need a man Not who plays a instruments. Boy. Yeah. That was another thing. I, I was joking with Van. I was like... So you're looking for a replacement. What if he's like a young, like blonde teen guy who's like a tenor <laughs> and can play all the instruments? And Van was like, "We talked about you, but you're too young." And I was like, "No, Van." Yeah, you you no. had to try. I had no chance. I had absolutely no chance. You had to do no the chance. young boy with instruments part. You were I not had, meant for. Yep, yep. I had <laughs> absolutely no chance with space dogs. You don't have I, enough stubble. Sorry, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So. <laughs> Okay, now once casting is done, then starts rehearsal. And we're getting into the real meat and potatoes here, baby. For Now, the processes, once again, the processes differ so much yeah. from plays, from musicals. And I'm going to do musicals now. I can touch on plays because plays are a little easier to explain just musicals, because there's not as much happening. That's your thing. I mean, you are a musical guy. Through I'm a musical through. guy. Yep. Even though you do like to write plays, and I know you've been a part mm -hmm. involved and stuff, but musicals have always musicals, been your absolutely. area. Mm -hmm. So normally we go in, and the first day, the first couple days, commonly three days, uh, are music. You just learn music. You sit in a chair, and you learn your music, and you drill and drill and drill, and then it sounds good, and once you know everything, you put it on its feet. And for this show... If I was doing a show like Next to Normal, which is six people, it's a lot of music, but there's no real like dancing. There's no dancing at all. There's none. The process is going to be much different than something like Bad Out of Hell, which has a ton of dancing and like has a large ensemble. So for us, for Bad Out of Hell, the leads started working with the director doing scenes. They started doing their own thing, doing solo songs, doing stuff that did not involve the ensemble. And while that was happening, the choreographer, she worked with the ensemble and some of the leads who like could come in and work. Um, and we started doing dance and we started learning it. And man, this show, hands down, was the most exhausting rehearsal process of my life and it's not bad i had a great time but the dance was so physical and so intense all the time that that takes a toll on you and now i don't get sore from these dances like i can't but for a minute i was i i could barely walk for a week <laughs> so you're getting in yeah. shape you're getting in shape is what well, I'm, I'm getting in shape and i actually was talking to my dance partner and it was it was very funny because there's a lot of lifts in the show, and one of them is I get behind her and literally put her on my shoulders, and she spreads her legs in the air in front of me. It's weird to describe, but no, I'm, I'm just fully carrying. So her. it's just extremely 
That's an extremely it's, taxing move to pull off. Yeah. And if you do it wrong, you can really mess up your back or your legs. And for a minute, like I felt a lot of pain in my lower back. But then we just started doing it again. And I picked her up. No problem. I just, boom, went, did it. And I was like, so oh, it's getting easier. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a Rocky montage of you somewhere out there? and Dropping you're, you're her? Not... Yes. Literally oh. dropping her. Oh, okay. So I dropped messed her up the once. First... That was okay. funny. She she was fine. I didn't drop her like. So what happened was, I picked her up. Oh man, this is great. Stay humble, Connor. She, she I picked her up and then I was like carrying her in an awkward way and my back buckled. Like you know how your knees buckled. Yeah, my yeah, back yeah. buckled and I went like this. Ooh. And I didn't drop her, but I fell <laughs> because when I'm when I'm carrying someone, the first instinct I have. Don't drop them. Yeah, you cannot yeah. drop them on their head. So I like I fell, but I put her down on her feet. Oh, and obviously wow. we okay. both hit the ground, but it was soft. It was padded. So technically, I dropped her. Got you. Once, that's and that's now not I'm as not bad doing as, that again. Oh, that's cool. You you no, sacrificed your bad. back for the sake of for the sake yeah. of the show for the sake of your yeah. I'll need partner. I'll need surgery in a couple of years, but hey. Yeah, when you're when you're 26 and you when I'm 26 driving and you, and you try to look behind you to like back up and you just go and I'll just literally uh -oh. tear a disc. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, rehearsal is it's very long. It's obviously one of the longest processes, but a lot of times you're you're on a like schedule. You start rehearsals and go. We are starting in this amount of time. We have this amount of time. And it's it's intense, so it's very fast. They're trying to teach it to you as fast as possible to make to just get it done to start, and then yeah. eventually it 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 gets clean. And what you want to do is learn everything as fast as possible, and then start cleaning it so you can have more time to clean. So that's where a, a lot of people like the value of learning choreography quickly. I would put above a lot of things if you're trying to be a dancer or trying to be in an ensemble. Learning choreo quickly is one of the most valuable assets you can do. It it can only help you, and it only helps in a room. That's a big thing. Like mm. in the callback process, when they do dance calls, they're just teaching it like two or three times, and they're rushing. You just have to follow. That's so interesting to think back on things you said about different actors or performers who are getting into musicals. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, I mean, they're they're okay at acting. And their singing voice, you know, does the job. But, man, are they a good dancer. Exactly. And I'm, I'm in my head going, well, don't you have to be amazing at all three? And, like, yeah, you do, but you have people have different strengths. And hearing the value of dance again and you talking about your experience right now, Reminds me, oh my gosh, yeah, when I go to musicals, I'm mostly just thinking about the way they've said their lines or sing or maybe if they're holding an instrument. And mm -hmm. I, I'm i far removed from dance in, in my head in the same way that I am with like audio in a movie. And I'm just not picking up on the technical brilliance of different things that are going on. Or I could watch somebody do an amazing dance performance in in a show and I won't even think about that too much in comparison to the other aspects, but I will look for that from now on forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly a lot and there's a lot of shows that don't involve dance or involve more like movement choreography, Yeah, but 
when you have a show that is so dance heavy and Vegas shows have to be dance heavy. Oh, totally. It's a, it's a completely different process. And yeah, it's, it's tough. And they're trying to make it the thing you notice. So you kind of can't ignore it yeah. this time. Got you. And um, that's funny too, is that you're in Vegas, you're in Vegas now, which I just think it's, it's yeah. nuts because you were in New York for the past year and very much going in this, you know, certain like idea of what, you know, Broadway and the system is and where you were going to end up with it. And I think it's really cool that really early on in your career, you're actually now spending a year out in Vegas and getting this mm-hmm. whole other side of the industry that I have to, I'm going to, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I did never have heard you talk about this as the path that you thought you would be taking initially. I'll correct you. <laughs> okay. So tell no, me no, I'm no. wrong. So, no, you're not wrong. You're definitely right. I didn't think I'd be in Las Vegas doing this. But that's the thing about being an actor. You are all over the place. I knew that I would be going somewhere. And if I immediately booked Broadway and was in New York, that's a rarity. Obviously, I was in Virginia doing professional shows. But those professional shows hire New York actors. So actors, I'm just based in New York. I'm still technically in New York. I have an apartment in New York. And... Now I'm just in Las Vegas doing this gig. My goal is still the exact same. I want Broadway. I want to be in New York. But this is just what's happening. And maybe, yeah, it was like not the initial path I thought I'd take. But I'm not like... I can't say upset. I'm not like... Even you, thrown off by it. I'm, it's This is just the path. You have to be so go with the flow that like, okay, I'm in Vegas. This is not deterring me from my path I'm on. This is actually just helping me. I'm doing another show. I'm getting more experience. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I have no, no plans to base myself in Las Vegas. As soon as the show is done, I'm going to move back to New York. Yes, that's more so what I guess what I was trying to get at, too, is is not that you're opposed to doing it or that you're like, oh, I guess I'll take this show in Vegas. It's more like you didn't plan or seek out that path. It wasn't like before this show, you're like, I'm going to do this a show in Vegas mm-hmm. early on in my career, and that's going to help me get this. Like It was not a thing that you were talking about on your radar. And it, no. it organically yeah, no, no, really no, no. happened with you. Yep. Yeah, so I guess I didn't have to correct you. You were right all along. No, no, no. I'm, I see the <laughs> no, thing no, no, is no, no, I'm no, retroactively I'm applying what you said to what I said to make <laughs> it seem like I was more right with what no, I was no, saying. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> so basically I'm just covering my tracks, Connor. Go for it. Okay, so rehearsal, it, it, it's, it's a long process, obviously. And now, uh, so for plays, let's let's move into plays. Yeah. Or something that's a little more dialogue heavy or smaller. Like this isn't a play. I did a show called Gutenberg the Musical. It's a two man show. Me and my f- very good friend Eric. Um, and that process, because it's two people and there's a lot of dialogue, we literally sat down with the director. He was on Zoom, but we were there and went line by line by line and went, "Why did you say that? Why did you say that? Why did you say that?" And just went. And then as soon as mm-hmm. we did a whole scene, we did it again and went, that didn't work. What That line felt weird. And the director would go, no, no, you're doing that intention wrong or let's change that. So uh, those processes can be very slow 
Yeah. It's like very different than Bad Out of Hell, very different than these huge dance shows. It's meticulous. You're trying to get the best performance out of actors. When you're trying to get the best performance out of dancers, you have to do something different. So a plays, I haven't done enough professional plays to speak on that, but I'd assume it's very line by line because when, and that's, that's actors, a job, like you're supposed to get a script, do your own homework, go, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? And I don't know if a director will do that with you. I believe that's a lot of personal choice sometimes. And the, but, I'm, I was really just like blank there. Ooh, hard. No, it's okay, okay Connor. <laughs> so it was, um, it was interesting to watch. <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> so w- you do this line by line, and even in our case, y- you feel like you're not making progress, or blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah. Or like, oh, we need to put this on its feet. Like we don't. We have two weeks left, and we haven't even staged anything. Then, once you do all this work, putting it on its feet. Took two days. Mm. Literally took two days. And we were like, oh, that's why we did it. You do that time, you get off book, you get ready, you understand your motivation, and then putting it on its feet is a piece of cake. Because when you know why you're saying a line, your body will just do what it does. Or like a good actor can go, I'm mad. Well, I'm, tr- I'm digging at him in that line. I'm, I'm cutting him down. That's actor verbiage. I'm cutting him down. I'm, I'm doing this. I know how my body is going to do that. Or if you're playing a different character, you can go, I know what this character would do in that scenario because I've worked on this for so long. So rehearsal processes can wildly differ from the super fast, super stressful, or not even like stressful, like bad, just let's go, let's get it done. Right, intense pace. Intense pace to let's take our time. Let's figure this out. And... Sometimes you cannot afford to do that. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't afford to be slow, but you always love a slower rehearsal process. Anytime that it's less fast-paced is normally a little. Um, it's obviously just less stressful. It's a little more comfortable. But I'm speaking on bad out of hell. I'm not doing a show that's going to be comfortable. I was never going to be comfortable, and I knew that going into it. <laughs> Comfortable in the sense of like no right, it's well gonna rested. be tough. They yeah. literally sent an email. The choreographer sent an email before we even started. That was like, you need to be in the best physical shape of your life before you start coming here, and you need to work out. You need to do this because the show is hard. And just letting you know, and it's gonna be tough this next couple of weeks. And she was correct. No way. <laughs> no way. It's good you were yeah, going to that yeah. gym in Brooklyn for the last bit. God, yeah, you're right. Um, okay, after rehearsal, you have the show down. Um, then you start getting into tech. And tech starts a little bit before uh, going on stage in the sense that where your rehearsal room is, you'll have the show ready. And depending on the certain show, you could have been running versions of the show. You could have been running the show for days. You could literally have just finished and the first time you're fully running the show is in front of the team and when i say the team i mean the team like lighting sound designers producers everyone is there taking notes and obviously 
you're doing a run of the show and you're not really thinking about like performing to them because who cares? But they're watching you going, okay, he's standing there for that lighting cue, lighting cue, camera cue, sound. These people are singing. They're doing their work right there. And then you move into the theater or you move into a secondary location. You move into the theater mostly. And tech process is often very slow, very boring. And that's just how it is. You have to take your time. And for Bad Out of Hell, the tech in this show is wild. There's cameras pointed at us all the time. A girl literally follows us around with a camera, and it projects on the back. It's super oh, cool. That's, it's super oh, that's super. You'll love, that love it. It's okay. so cool. And that on its own is hard. And then there's lights. Then there's pyro. There's confetti. There's everything. There's so much. So this tech process has been very slow for the reason of like, okay, hold, we need to make sure that's correct. Hold, we need to do that. And that's the universal term that everyone hates is hold because it's like, oh, all hold. right. But when, whenever you say hold or whenever the director says hold, it's, it's valid. They need to work on something. And for this show in particular, the cameras especially, they have to be perfect because if they're not, you notice. And it's really, really distracting. Like imagine you're, you're watching the scene and then the camera pans up and it's the completely wrong angle yeah, or it's the yeah. wrong time and you're like you notice that it's a massive like 50 foot screen right like why are and you just blowing up half their face and then the other exactly. half is like a weird bar in the background like yeah i get you yeah you don't want the camera to take away from what's happening on stage yeah because obviously you're watching them in person and then you go oh look there they are too right and you don't want it to be like down. yep you don't want it you want it to blend. You mm -hmm. don't want it to be like, oh, look at the camera. Look at the. You don't want yeah. the audience to be confused. Because you might as you well just not use that if it's going to exactly. distract. Yeah. Exactly. And so that for this show, tech has been tough. But for most shows, tech is often you stand there. Like I just recently did a show, Forever Plaid, and I remember the tech process for that because it's a four man show, barbershop quartet, nothing that difficult tech wise. It's actually quite easy. It's just lighting is going to take a yeah. while because you can't, they can't rush that. You have to be in a certain spot. And what would happen? We'd be standing on stage singing our song. They'd say, hold. And you stand in one spot. Don't move. You stand in your spot and they light you. It could take five minutes. It could take one minute. It could take 10 minutes to light you. And the director is obviously sitting next to the lighting designer mm -hmm. or going, no, do this, do this. Yes, I like that. Or no, I don't. So yeah, it's fun. It's funny. Um, and you, obviously, you're allowed to talk. So you're just talking to your guy, the guy next oh, to you. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, you're not like hold, <laughs> like freeze in place. It's <laughs> Every not, it's single not that kind facial of muscle has to <laughs> say the same. No. Yeah, right. No. You just have to be in the right spot. So that's tech. Tech is, tech is long. Tech is boring. And you want a fat, you want it to be as fast as you can because you want to run with all of your tech as soon as possible. Yeah. You want to be able to go, okay, we finished tech, let's run the show. Let's run it again. And after tech is finished, before the show opens, or before previews start, you just try to run it as much as you can and get used to being on stage. Because 
there's a lot that's happening. And Question for you. Yes. I'm hearing a possibility of like collaborative conflict between different sides of a production during a tech process because I'm hearing if I'm like a, in the lighting or in the sound or I'm working on that camera setup, I want as long of a tech process as humanly possible to make yes. sure I get it right and I don't have to be stressed when I'm setting it up. But if mm -hmm. I'm an actor and I'm just standing there and I'm helping support them do this, I want those extra weeks and extra time to work on the show without having to think about that stuff. And then the director and the producers have to balance these two opposing voices and forces sort of within a show. And I, I'm seeing that, like, I'm not saying for your show and probably tons of shows, it's not even a problem at all, but I'm seeing potential for some sort of, you know, pushback one way or the other. I'm gonna, I understand what you're saying. Is that wrong or right? It's pretty wrong. It's oh, not cool. like quite wrong. No, I'm glad. I'm glad that's wrong. I'm just like this is just something mm -hmm. I'm kind of spinning. A lot of times. Well, here's the thing. Think about it like a movie. Yeah. How much does it cost to be on set? Oh, by okay. the minute. Yeah, yeah. It costs so much money, and also, you're always on a time crunch. So, it's not like the actors are chilling and we're whatever. We're like doing this and or we're like trying to make it quick and the tech people are trying to make it slow the tech people want to get this done as fast as possible just like everyone else and also when the director's breathing down your neck like get it done get it done get it done you're just gonna have to get it done you, yeah. everyone's tech the tech people's tech process is like stressful for the actors oftentimes it's standing there and i wouldn't even say it's stressful like if you if for this production it's been stressful because there's so much to do but on Forever Plaid, it was like, okay, stand there, do the lights, done. Mm. Like, so it very much differs, but there's no real conflict. Obviously, you want it to look as good as possible, but the director is oftentimes like, fast, let's do it quick, whatever. Like, they're trying to rush it as much as possible because they just want to get it done. Yeah. And, and then thinking get back right. to what you said, too, you're saying everything's scheduled out from the beginning for the most part, mm -hmm. and then it's less of a less it's less of even a negotiation process it's already just this yeah. is what it is no one no one can mm -hmm. say anything about it yeah and, and also that, is that the case typically with like a tech it's like okay we all know this is going to take this amount of time yep. that's how much time we have nobody's yes. changing it at this point yeah so okay. and another thing is like yeah you think oh the lighting designer is going to be like i want to do this and i want to do this you got to put your ego aside yeah. and understand i know what looks good i know what i know this is going to look good but it's what does the director want i can uh, he can say i want this lighting and you just have to know how to make what he wants look good same with sound mm -hmm. same with blah 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 same with everything. It's all about the director. So uh, these good people, these good lighting designers are going to do exactly what the director wants and make it look good while keeping the director happy. And it's really quite a task. I mean, think of it as the same as like a musician, a session musician. You can't go in there and like if I went in on a, on a pop track and did a freakishly crazy bass solo, they're going to be like, stop that. What are you doing? Like, that sounds terrible. You're like, no, it doesn't. It's sick. Well, th that's not what they want. Right. You have to do what they want. It's all about it's all about the director. No, definitely. And I'm, I'm working on a VFX team right now. And it's, yep. it's like the artists or the coordinators or people involved in that may say, this is the 
this is the way we think the shot should look because of our experiences. But the director has a different vision and they have a, you know, a overall grasp of what they want to get out of the show. And so the VFX artists and then, you know, their managers have to sort of make sure that they can deliver that the way the director wants and, yep. and, and do it with that knowledge that they have and the best, I have to imagine the best people in every sort of role that leans, like you're saying, n- aren't necessarily the ones who are like, I have this grand vision of what I mm-hmm. can do. It's, I know how to give you what you want in the best way possible, leaning on the skills that I have and the background knowledge that I have. Yeah. I recently watched a video with uh, Seth Rogen and like talking to visual effects artists and he was talking about blowing people up because like he d- produces the boys and he produces other shows that, right. And oh he yeah. Just He's blows been on that people Amazon up. kick. Yep. And yeah. it's, it's very funny. Like he blows people up and blood gets everywhere. And when you think and look at how much blood it's like 10 times more than can fit in a human body <laughs> and people, he's like visual effects artists will say, this is not realistic. And he'll be like, I don't care. It looks yeah. better. So there is that thing. It's like, someone's, someone's got to go, okay, that's not real. And doesn't matter. The director yeah. wants it that way. And a lot of times like the director knows what he's talking about or, oh, or totally. he or she, I'm not, or they know what they're talking they about. They the... know what looks good. They often have the best bird's eye view. And that's not always the case. But yeah, like if you're focused on one particular aspect of a show and it's just lighting for you and you're like, I know this lighting looks amazing, but you're not seeing necessarily, you know, the same way the director is all the other pieces that it has to complement. It's like, yeah, we need Mm -hmm. to sacrifice this aspect of the lighting because it has to fit in with this and this and this and make a better whole rather than just that one individual element. And I, I mean, I think in a movies where it's just like, oh, the cinematography was amazing. That was a beautiful yep. scene. But you wasted five minutes of the story with that character just walking around, you know, the woods. And now the, the pacing ground to a halt to give you this gorgeous scene. And yep. you're sacrificing the whole for this one part. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Good, good decision. Mm-hmm. A good director is going to blend the two. Yeah. Make it work and make it look good. And obviously you need a great team for that. So tech... Tech is a very crucial part and a lot of times does not create much conflict because everyone's trying to make the best possible thing and you just listen to the director. That's yeah. it. So um, then after tech, you get into previews, uh, depending on the professionality of the show. Professionality. <laughs> depending on the... Um, <laughs> defending. God, I'm having a stroke. No, you're depending good. Depending just... on how professional or how long the show is going to run, like Broadway or what I'm doing in Las Vegas, you start with previews. People can go to previews. People can buy previews. In fact, they are selling preview shows as if this is opening day, which technically it's hmm. not. Because what previews do, going back to workshops, yeah, I'm going all the way back. You need to hear what actors say to see if it sounds good. Previews are seeing what an audience reacts to. Previews is where show can change a lot, like a lot. Because let's say you say a joke, never gets a laugh. You're like, well, we have to take that out. Or you do a a sad moment and no one's crying. Okay, what can we do to make that better? What can we do? You have to focus on the audience. So during previews, the director's just focused on... Obviously, it's like giving you notes, but like, okay, did that land? Did that land? How do how do they like that? And yeah, 
obviously as an actor, you the feel from performing in front of nobody to performing in front of audience is very different. There's a very different energy because when you're not performing for anyone, you can kind of not half-ass it, but it's not you're not taking it as seriously. And then the audience gets there, and you're like, I'm kicking it yeah. in overdrive. I'm making sure I look good. And obviously there's nerves, but there's like the energy, there's adrenaline, you're performing in front of people. So the energy is always different. Good different. Mm -hmm. I mean, also bad different. Like sometimes an audience is bad and won't react, but that's just sometimes the audience. Like you can't really do anything about it. So yeah, previews are for a certain amount of time they can extend previews in fact spider-man turn off the dark had previews for what a year <laughs> because they kept uh. changing it kept changing it and they weren't ready to say the show is done and oh that's um, nuts mm -hmm. a year that that's rarely happens that is so rare shows can yeah. be in previews for a while because like they can change something that that always happens but is like, it fair to one-to-one -one previews just on a basic level to like pre-screenings where you're just showing a movie to a bunch of different audiences and you're yes. getting, yeah. And absolutely, I, it's funny with like big ticket films where people look back and they're like, why was that cut from the film? Like they hear about some deleted scene or concept mm -hmm. and like, that would have been amazing. And it's like, no, we tested this with three different audiences and no one liked it or yeah. the vast majority didn't. That's why we cut it. Yeah. Or somebody Somebody in a screening could say, like, oh, my gosh, I love that aspect of the show. And then you release it. It's terrible. And it's yeah. just, like, everybody hates that aspect of the show. You just randomly happen to mm -hmm. get a sample size of people who didn't. Yeah. So if you look at something like what a director's cut is, it's yeah. <laughs> a director's vision completely unaltered by test screenings, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, like, a lot of times like the director's cut is of a good movie, like Apocalypse Now director's cut. Yeah, it's that's not just, a real director's cut. That's not a real director. The movie's just longer now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's good scenes and stuff, but yeah, they just kind of cut the fluff. And a lot yeah. of times that's what happens. Like in, in previews, you cut the fluff. You don't need it. You're getting, you're just getting to what is needed or what is best. And oftentimes you're cutting the fluff. Like even yeah. yesterday, we cut a song from the show. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Oh okay. And yeah. did you did you have an attachment to that song? Was it like no, oh, not at all? Okay, cool. Well. Uh, I wouldn't say no, not at all. Like we kind of we knew that we were going to be cutting a song. It was honestly just mm. kind of a debate which one, because th there's a, there's a lot of reasons. Oh but, yeah, totally. Um, and they said, okay, we're cutting this song. And we were like, okay, got it. Looks like we're cutting that one. Yeah. I don't think many people had that much of an attachment to it. I think that's probably why they cut it. It, yeah, it, it didn't do what, it was unnecessary in the moment. And yeah. uh, especially in Vegas, they're very tight on time. Like you, you have to be under 90 minutes or it's Oh, bad. the show's under 90 minutes. Show's under 90. The show oh, has, nice. Okay. The show has to be 85 minutes. And... Normally, Bad Out of Hell is like two and a half hours long. So they cut an hour off of the show, which is tough. So, um, what do you mean normally? And now they're this even. Is, this is not the first time it's been. Put this on. is not the first time it's done. Las Vegas takes shows and does like a shortened version of them where oh. you just. Yep. I didn't so know that. If, 
Yeah. So like, um, you it's really cut in the fluff. You do what is only necessary for the story. Uh, then maybe plus one, or plus a couple, and it's just fun. That's just the Vegas audience. You yeah. can't have anything over ninety minutes because then you're wasting their time. You're wasting the casino's time and. People base things off, I know this is going to take an hour and a half, so I can go do this and then go see the show over there. So if you run yeah. over, you're wasting yeah. people's time and you're losing everyone money, and it's, it's, a, it's a whole process. So, yeah. So after previews, the show opens, and when it opens, that's how it stays. That is really cool. Yep. And that is the process of a show. Snap, snap to that, my friend. Snap, snap, snap. Um, I finally did one of these episodes without embarrassing myself. Oh, you? Yeah, no. <laughs> I. This is like our what third attempt at a Broadway episode. Yeah, I'd say is. hats off. I yeah, don't know. I, this I, one, I learned. This one's I learned from you, Connor. I've gleaned Thank you, knowledge. Thank you, buddy. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see your show. I like, I really am. I want to make, I'm so excited for you to come. I want to make previews, but I'm honestly at a point where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can get out there. Don't worry about it. Buddy. Ah. Don't worry about it. And the problem is too, it's like, ah, man, I just want, I want to set it up for a weekend that you are like, oh, this is going to be a good weekend to go see the show. So I see, I don't know previews. when that is. So no, I know you never know. Cause then it like I the performance know. hits you and yep. that that's so, that's what's so fun about live performance though. And in, in live shows versus like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was, I was in this movie. Like you can go watch it anytime and just make sure yeah. you're, you're with like a big audience or like, it's this. No, I mean, I, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. It's yep. so exciting. Absolutely. And I never know when I'm going to go on as like one of the yeah. leads. Yeah. Cause so. you're covering, you're covering somebody. I'm covering uh, two people now. They oh, added wow. someone to my to, oh, no to way. my to covering. So now I'm covering two people. Yeah, yeah, if you ever have like a week's notice in advance and just just text me because I will book it extra no, abs- for yeah. that if, for those kinds of things. But I also don't want to devalue the fact that you've been working hard to get your part right. No, totally. And it's uh, like, I'd be that's fine with you coming to either. Exciting. So I man, maybe I'll come to mm-hmm. both somehow. I don't know. But yeah. that's really cool, dude. I'm I am stoked. I'm stoked on it for you. Wait, what? 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 I just checked the clock. I think it's it's reading QT. What the heck does that? QT. Oh, I'm a cutie. That's what it's saying. Uh, Oh, I. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I meant. Quick takes. It's quick takes. It's quick takes (laughs) with Connor and fans. Yeah. I have no Welcome follow to up to that. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Quick Takes, everybody. This is where this is the part of the show where we give you a take and y- you quickly take it. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with it, this, Connor. Yeah. What's yours? What's mine? I got you. Um, You're not going quick enough. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't I'm gone quick enough on my take. <laughs> my quick take is I'm I'm only I'm less than two months away from turning twenty one. And I am finally at my wit's end where I wish I had gotten a fake ID. Stupid, (laughs) stupid freaking COVID. This whole time I was like, I never needed to get a fake ID because everybody's stuck in their home. And I don't know. You just have friends and you throw a little house party. And I finally ran into like a couple of different things where it's like, oh, all my friends are going to a bar. 
oh cool they serve food i can get nope sorry nope. No, you you're literally play. you're a boy who plays instruments you're not a man who plays instruments yeah <laughs> and it's like jesus oh, oh gosh i just want i just i don't even care i don't even want to grab a drink i literally just want to go hang out with people and yeah. the world is it, blocking me and it's, it's annoying it's really tough it's In New York, it, it was very tough uh, no, yeah, because you definitely. Yeah, because because <laughs> I've never I've never drank any alcohol in my life. Actually, fun fact, I'm I'm a saint, as they say in the in the industry. <laughs> so Vince's quick take is he wishes he was a federal criminal. That's what I, I'm I hearing. I do. I'm straight up. I'm yeah. I'm so sick of it at this point, and I was, a, I'm just like, you got a oh first class God. Scarface anyway. over here. Anyway, that um, was my quick take. It was more just like a mini rant. I'm, yeah. What about you, yeah. Connor? My quick take is Epsom salt baths are dope. Take one. They're nice. They're nice. Did you <laughs> especially, just say Epsom no, salt bath? Epsom salt bath. Yeah, man. And obviously everyone knows that. But for me, especially like doing this show and being sore all the time and like just feeling so sickly to get into the bath and like literally just like the Epsom salt is building back muscle. It feels so nice. I also remembered why I stopped taking baths. You lost me at bath. That's what I was going to say. I haven't taken no, a bath. No, that's the thing. I remember why I stopped taking baths. I don't fit in bathtubs anymore. <laughs> I don't. I'm maybe I'm 6 foot, 6 1. I don't fit in a single bathtub, especially mine. I literally I look like I'm like yay, I'm I'm what but they're the Epsom so salt awkward. is very nice, but they're very awkward. I wish I I wish I could just be 5 2 only to take a bath. No, right? I wish I got into the shower and just shrank to five Ooh, two, you? got in and like woo, and then I got Bad back time. to my six one self. I don't know anyone who takes baths anymore. I mean, like I know like f- older folks who have these nice sauna bath setups, and it's like I'm gonna go take oh, my I bubble do. bath. I have everybody has a hybrid bath shower. I'm not yeah. sitting in that thing. I haven't cleaned it in a month no, or no two. It looks disgusting. I'm not I'm not going, you know, bare against my shower floor for <laughs> half an hour. That's not relaxing. That's stressful. That's not fun. Oh I'm not my with it. Gosh. Unless okay. I clean it, scrub it with Dawn soap beforehand, and I'm just like, Oh, this is this is pristine. You won't see me taking an Epsom salt bath. I'll just I'm sorry, not not happening, Connor. Well, there's Vince's quick take. Don't take baths. stay stinky my friends stay stinky and that's a great way to end this episode stay stinky San Diego